Soccer Tonight, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm. He is Mike Trudell, hey. and you are listening to the home of world football in Southern California. Hello, Mike. Good evening to you on another edition of Soccer Tonight. Mike, this might have been the craziest day of the FIFA World Cup already. I can't believe I'm even saying that after what we've seen through the first five days, but day six might have just been the wackiest out of all of them, especially those first two games in Group H. Holy cow. You know, Denholm, your fitness at this level of your life uh, and career is questionable. Like, I'm not sure how many minutes you can make it in the 90, but one thing that you can do is put your arm up and get a handball and not only get a penalty kick for your side that ultimately is the difference in the game, but also get red carded. I could do that, yeah. I That's think I could. I could run in and get in the way of that. You know, and a lot of times people want to be quick to say, you know what, it's just an instinct, Mike. He's just defending. You know, he's just, no, you've got to be smarter than that. I'm glad you brought this up right out of the chute. That could very well kill Columbia's World Cup, potentially. Now, I'm not saying it's over for them. They battled and they played well, even with a 10 men. But that is just such a dumb move for a veteran to make. You can't excuse that, Mike, by saying, oh, he's just it's well, just instinct. He didn't know what he was doing. I will say, so that group, though, okay, One, there's one site that you can get some decent predictions on, right? So 538 does predictions about the World Cup, uh, where teams, the percentage they have to advance. So they have Japan at 74%. They have Senegal at 60%. Colombia at 39%. And Poland at 26%. Now, this is literally the inverse of what many people had predicted. Except for you, Denham. I know you had Senegal advancing. But most people had either Colombia or Poland winning the group, and then Senegal and Japan kind of inching out. But there, I still consider this to be a pretty open group, honestly. Yes. I don't think Colombia's out of it. Not only did they get a red card in the third minute that completely changed the trajectory of the game. And yeah. I, by the way, I have a rant about red cards, and I think you're going to disagree. So we can make that argument in a second. But not only did you have that going on, but then you know Poland, who is a pretty good team, not great. Their FIFA ranking is higher than it should be, uh, but they still have a chance. Like they can beat Japan, right? Uh, that Colombia can beat Japan. Like they, this is uh, excuse me, uh, Senegal in Japan. That that's not a that's not a guaranteed one way or the other. So I I still think that this group is open. It was probably the most open group that I saw, and that's Group G uh, heading into the whole World Cup. Yeah, you know, it does actually, H, the way you say. say that, it's a good point. Group H has the schedule that works out, in a sense. Japan taking on Senegal in the next game. Poland right. taking on Colombia. That's very interesting in a weird way, because that Poland-Colombia game is massive now on yes. June 24th. Yeah, so, both teams have to be going for the three points. In that yeah, one exactly. That's going to be one to watch there. So the schedule works out for our favor, in a sense, of getting a great match in that next one with Poland and Colombia, the loser pretty much done, you would suspect, obviously. I mean, virtually. So, yeah, that's like a knockout game, essentially, yeah, already Dave, in the group stage. So Dave, I felt bad for Colombia, too, because a lot of what they did was based on James in the middle. Yeah. And he just wasn't fully fit. They brought him in for the final 30 minutes. Uh, he still, you know, he looked okay. He did some good things, but he didn't look like himself. And to lose the player uh, that that they really was the golden boot winner at the last World Cup was six goals. And that was when Fal- uh, Falcao, who was supposed to be their star heading into the tournament. And James kind of rose onto the world stage, really, with his appearance in that tournament. So I I'm, I'm feel bad that they didn't get both of those guys at their full powers uh, for the first game. And I'm, I'm kind of pulling for them in that sense, in that not only do they have the red card disadvantage, but... Did you see the amount of Colombian fans in oh, Russia? You pointed it out Incredible. to me, and it, it was just unbelievable. The Colombians really stepped up. No question. There's been some great fans. Mexico certainly right up there, and no doubt there's been some great fan representation. But Colombia takes a backseat to nobody. Yeah, Dave, I don't know how, how uh, good you are at geography. I know Michael Thompson, for example, is fantastic. Sure. At geography. That's one of it's his many passions. Uh, now, Colombia is not close to Russia. 
No, it is not. That I do okay. know. I mean, I, the, I'm the the mileage just for fun. Um, I am. I'm looking up, and I'll just I'll just choose Moscow for uh, for argument's sake. So the mileage. Uh, let me get back to you because I did it in Google Maps, and of course you can't get there uh, by driving. Uh, so I would they, guess they that, put the man. Plane. That's a, that's a, that's about as far away as you can get, really. Like. From the South America where Colombia is all the way over to Moscow. Well, yeah, because you fly west, but you have to go all the way on the other side oh, of Russia. Unbelievable. Anyway, yeah, so that, I mean, that, that stood out to me. That is insane. Shout out to the Colombian people. That's a great point, really. I mean, this is, you know, look, it, it's a commitment for these fans. These are not like fans that are from the area, you know, like where some some World Cups, you wonder if they're just dressing people up in a shirt that's from that country. These or, like, are, or like the Olympics in certain places. Exactly. Or, yeah, like they yeah. represent, you know, their fans for that group. And right, they do right. that sometimes with like the under 17 World Cup, and which is understandable. But these are like legit Colombian fans making that trip. And that is just full kudos to them. You are right. They deserved better. And I'll give them that. I'll give Colombia that even after that disgusting and stupid Frankly, uh, red card. All right, let's let's get into. The, can we dive into that? Yeah, All I right. mean, but let me let me just say this: Colombia played good after that. They really did. I mean, they that that game easily could have ended up one one. Now credit to Japan, they got the job done. And I love the technicality of Japan. By the way, I said it before the World Cup, Mike. They are so technically gifted. This team, yes. they're, they're going to be tricky. I'm not saying they're going to get out of this group even yet, but they are not done. The Japanese are not done in the making waves in this group. I got a feeling, yeah, well, and they're going to throw me off because I didn't have them. I did not have them advancing. No, out I of this group. I, I think a lot of us had them finishing fourth, but that was kind of only because of the rest of the group being strong. Sure, like had they sure. been in Group A, you know, as yeah. opposed to uh, Morocco or Saudi Arabia, or excuse me, not Morocco, um, Saudi Arabia or who's the other team in Group A? Egypt. Uh, Egypt, yeah, yeah. Who who did not look good? Let's be honest. Even with Salah uh, returning, you know, that's that's all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe that's the maybe that Japan team is who I pick second in that type of group, right? But that's, yep. that wasn't the case. All right, look, so the red card. Now, I my first job was as a soccer referee. Okay, I, my of course you start on the, on the as a linesman, and I was probably ten years old or something. Okay, lining games, getting ten bucks a game. Eventually, I worked my way, and this is I grew up in the suburbs of Minnesota. Eventually, I worked my way up to being a center ref, and I, I'm playing soccer, of course, throughout all this time. And I just, I just hate. The red card. I hate. Uh, I hate. I hate when guys on my team would make dumb mistakes either to get one. I hate referees for giving it because it is such a harsh method and it changes the game so much that I just always bent over backwards. If there was any way I could not give a red card as a ref, I would try to do it. Like if someone comes up and you it's sp- and spits in your face and or throws a punch, you know it's all right. Okay, there, we we can't. There's not much sure. we can do about that. Now in this case. There's a rule in FIFA, uh, and there's yeah. a rule in international soccer where if you are in the box, and you probably know the rule, Biden, but since you're a play-by-play guy uh, for LAFC, you probably know the rule explicitly. What's what's the actual rule state for a handball in the box of that sort? If it's intentionally trying to stop a goal, or if it intentionally, if it does stop a goal, essentially, then it's got to be it's got to be a red. Like there's nothing the referee can do on that, Mike. They can't he can't decide if the guy thought it was you know intentional or, or maybe he wasn't trying to it, that was a red card. That ball was going in. And, the, and he put he put his arm out in an awkward spot that was deserving. Like, you know, if he's there and it hits his arm and it but his arm's tucked against his body, they yeah. may not even call a penalty well, and, on that. And this is why you see for example Sergio Ramos from Spain and Real Madrid. 
he will he will always take his hands and put them yeah. together behind his back to your al- side. almost dramatically yep. just yeah. so just and now he has the rep so even if it happens to hit his arm oh no it's, it's Ramos he sure. was pulling him back couldn't have been him well but, he gra- yeah he goes so far as to grasp his hands behind yes, his back you're right like, yeah, like, like there's no way he can possibly put it but you know that's the bottom line the referee's hands no pun intended were tied okay but but in this case and maybe okay and I get the and that's why I stated the rule before making my argument but Soccer and in any sport, and this is for any sport, there has to be some discretion at the hands of an official or somebody. Well, there that, is. That can, that, and, well, but this rule almost makes so that there isn't, and well, that's what my, I hate because in this case, he was not doing this. The Luis Suarez reach out and basically act as a goalkeeper, okay, to and, and try to knock the ball. That to me is the type of automatic red that can change the the fortune of the I game. I don't know, Mike. It. That was pretty egregious, and I'll tell I, you, you know, why. Just, he was, it was dumb, but he was flailing. He was just flailing his body. Yes, but here's he, the right? problem. He wasn't Let's trying to, to hit the, it with his hand. Let's take it to the farthest extent, right? We, we, if you, if we're, if we're, you can't judge intent, and I'll tell you why. Yes, you can. Be, no, because the, not in that case, because the game will turn out, all it'll be is penalty kicks when guys are just stopping the football from going in. You have to have goals being scored that aren't necessarily from the penalty kick spot. That was a legit goal that was going in on a good play by Japan. Now, th- see, that's the problem. It takes away, and granted, the referee has to give the red in this case. It's, but what I don't like about when guys do that is it takes away from what really happened, which was Japan deserved a goal. Right, so they they earned that. Now, yes, Colombia is making a last ditch effort, and sometimes your mind you lose your mind and you just stick your arm out. I get it; it does happen. It's a dumb play because it not only hurts you, it doubly hurts. You, I know, let's but put it that way. But that's and, that, and so all of what you're saying is to me that's why you get a penalty shot. And like that's that's why the so handball about don't like double and penalize you compound it and of... you basically give you almost remove Colombia's not I don't want to say fair chance because again he did he did commit a stupid uh, penalty yeah. in which he like it was clearly a yellow card to me at least but I don't think anybody would have been would have would have had a huge problem right even Japan fans if they had a penalty and a yellow card out of that. I don't okay. think they would have been like, oh my goodness, what? You didn't also give him a red card? Kagawa sets up, uh, sets up, hits a, a nice penalty down the middle. You know, that, that to me, it's just because the rest, as I'm watching the rest of the game, I'm thinking, man, how is Columbia going to overcome this? And they do actually outplay Japan for a while. And then I think they just run out of gas. Yeah, but they, now what happens though, Mike, if they miss the PK or if, now granted, then they, then that's their that's fault. Japan's fault. Don't miss the PK. But I understand, but here's the thing, like, it's not automatic like it was going to be. In other words, that was going to be a goal. Well, okay, here's, so here's how I'll, I'll, I'll try to make my, like, a five second argument about it. Intent shouldn't be that hard, especially if we're using VAR now, and that's our next argument, okay, about oh. whether or not how often we should go to replay, if at all. And I know how you, how you feel on this. In fact, I heard your rant on your show uh, that preceded this one. But if there is intent, again, Luis Suarez is the best example of this, where you are literally sticking your hand out trying to bat a ball away that is going in, that's one thing, Red, you're out. You, you just can't do it. If it is, if there is some doubt as to just a flailing limb and it happens to connect uh, with a, with a, a well-struck ball, that's where I am wanting to take the yellow card in addition to the PK so that I can at least keep the rest of the game as true to 11 on 11 form as right, I can. But here's, here's where I disagree. My, my problem with it is like 40 there. It's my bad. Yeah, that's all right. My problem with it is this, Mike. Most of the time when a guy sticks his arm out, it is completely unnatural. Now, he might be losing his mind. He might not really I, I don't be care thinking. It's unnatural, Dave. It's it, utterly I just, I just unnatural. Don't want you to yes. try to hit the ball away. No, it's completely unnatural. They're trying to get right. away with it. That's liner, most Dave. of You're the time. Liner. I'm not saying all the time. You're stiff. It, it deserves a red. But what about this? 
what if, in theory, red cards didn't have to kick you out of the whole match? In other words, what if there is a 15-minute red card? So like a, uh, a orange card? Yeah, like a harsh penalty, but not an absolute expulsion. An orange card, right? Yeah. That's the color in, in the exactly. middle of, of yellow and red, yeah? Yeah, I like it. Like okay. a 15-minute, 20-minute, whatever it is, they can't substitute I unless like they were to idea. take the guy out. And then you could extend it. Could you extend it to, uh, for example, like the elbow? Uh, that we Now, that wasn't actually that wasn't a red <laughs> card. That was a, Who was the, the elbow on the the, uh, the right back? Uh, Kyle Walker, right, for England? Yeah. Right? Now, that one, now that one maybe it's a – well, that's a bad example because he didn't get a red card. But I'm just trying to think of other, other – Mechanisms because I understand by which you where you're coming. I card. do. I, I can appreciate where you're coming from, like the double penalty of it. It just sense. sucks. The whole rest of the game it is just, changes is just, everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah, without a doubt, it changes everything. A 15 minute penalty after a penalty kick. You know, well, it's, it's like in, minute... in it's like in the NBA. You give them one. You get one technical right for uh, for doing something jerkish. Yeah, um, yeah but, but you that's don't the get yellow, tossed. Mike. That's the yellow. Because <laughs> remember, you can still get tossed in the NBA pretty quickly you know what i mean yeah, like, you can get the automatic run you can too. get the double tech pretty quick too you know in essence it's essentially a red card realistically so hey look i mean so much more to get to this is a fascinating conversation if you have any thoughts on it eight seven 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 ten espn is the number to join us here at soccer tonight or hit us up on twitter he's mike trudell at mike trudell i'm dave denholm at talk soccer on twitter you can share your thoughts there soccer tonight rolls on here on the home of world football in southern california it's espn la 710 this is soccer tonight I am Dave Denholm. He is Mike Trudell, and you are listening to ESPN LA 710. So much uh, still rolling on here, so much to get to here on soccer tonight. We're having so much fun with this show every Monday through Friday here on ESPN LA 710. And a special programming note, uh, yeah, we're not skipping tomorrow. Tomorrow is a big night with the LAFC taking on Sacramento Republic. You'll hear it right here. I'll have the play-by-play of the U.S. Open Cup game in the round of 16. And then it's soccer tonight. With Mike Trudell and I. And, uh, Mike, a what, big what time, set of games. What time do I have to be here then, Dave? Uh, oh, boy. It's going to be a little late for you, brother. Right around the 10 o'clock hour. So 10 to 11. Now, uh, I – so, first of all, shout-out to uh, Dan and Scott and everybody for doing the show. What I what I forgot when I made my schedule this week is that I'm doing the morning show tomorrow. Ooh. Um, at, from 6 to 10. So, I guess would, that would be good. Should I just sleep – in the studio throughout the day, Probably, like kind of listen yeah. to Mason Ireland during the day. Uh, you know, check out uh, Marcellus and Travis, and just spend some time here. Go grab some tacos at Fernando's. You know, at some point. Yeah. I mean, really, what's the point of trying to battle traffic, right? <laughs> I mean, well, you know, I mean, you're gonna have to battle it twice. There yeah, well, is no no, point no traffic at that time, though. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah fair well, point. I, mean, I should say no traffic. No traffic. That's adorable. A little bit less. Well, what is adorable is this first game. Coming up tomorrow, Mike, on the uh, the Wednesday docket, yeah, 5 a.m., Portugal taking on Morocco. Now, again, I talked a little bit about it in the uh, in the Soccer Weekly show with a caller. This is an intriguing game because Morocco, as the caller so wisely pointed out, they came out flying against Iran, just couldn't find a goal. This is a team that now has nothing to lose after giving up that late own goal against Iran, and essentially their backs are against the wall, whatever cliche you want to use. I believe they're going to give Portugal's defense trouble tomorrow, Mike. I really do. You know, Morocco was one of the teams that I liked more than whatever the buzz about them was pre-tournament, and I went so far as to pick them out of the group over Portugal. Yeah. So this is definitely the game where I, I'm going to be kind of pulling for my own prediction in that sense. I thought that Portugal looked the overall better side, but I also felt like they just got bailed out by Ronaldo and really by Spain. You know, the De Gea... 
just complete True, yeah. mockery of a save that Ronaldo's second goal went in. The fouls, uh, the first foul on Ronaldo, uh, the and, and even the one at the top of the box when they did not need to step in there. So I felt like Portugal maybe feeling a little bit better about themselves than they played by getting a point off of Spain. And same thing with Morocco. They're going to be a little bit of the more desperate team in this sense. So I do think that they have a they have a goal in them uh, that they weren't able to find against Iran. And we'll see because the, even it's always so important, Dave. The first goal in any of these games is so big for yeah. how the tactics play out, for how the confidence of the players go. And I will be tuning in for sure uh, to, to find out how Portugal deals with what should be a charge for Morocco early in that game. Mike, I liken it to the NBA playoffs when everybody talks about what's the biggest game in a seven-game series. And my answer is always the right answer, of course. It's the next game. Well, the next goal in a soccer game is always a huge goal. And you're right, the first one is usually the only one you'll see often. Not necessarily, uh, I, I don't mean that legitimately, but the very next goal is huge, and that's why the first goals have become so big. Without a doubt, you're 100% right. Now, the first goal might not be the only goal Uruguay scores against Saudi Arabia tomorrow in that 8 a.m. game. And that one's uh, that one is uh, it, it could be a bloodletting. But then again, Saudi Arabia doesn't really have anything to lose at this point, Uruguay's got to get goals. Yeah, the and only we know sometimes that just doesn't happen. Like Uruguay was playing pretty well in the first game and needed a late goal just to get the win against Egypt. The thing about uh, that I worry about with Saudi Arabia is that they know that they can't advance, they can't win. They probably knew that before the tournament started, but now they're just going to pack it in a little more. Because yeah. for, for whatever reason, yeah. they figured, oh, it's the first game against Russia. Everybody's going nuts. Let's, let's just be open. Yeah. And so they were open, and Russia crushed them uh, in that sense. And then, by the way, Russia. I guess we should congratulate them as the first team to advance. Looks like it. Yeah, uh, I mean, they officially need just a result from Uruguay, a tie or a win. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, officially. But, but I mean, they're pretty like much points. through. Yeah, yeah you, you get through uh, with six points, barring some crazy. And, they, and plus, their goal differential is now, what, plus seven? Yep. Which is, I, I think, the second highest for a host ever, uh, aside from France in 98 in their first couple of games. So, yeah, they, they look good again. They took Egypt apart. Uh, I was excited to see how Mo Salah played in that one, Dave. And then they kind I didn't really love how they used him, just how Liverpool uses him, which is to stick him out in the right flank and have just have him finish plays off. Sure. I didn't think he was as involved in that sense as I would have liked him to be since Egypt doesn't have the support players to get him the yeah, ball. Yeah, they couldn't get the you know? play started. That is the problem. Yeah. He can finish them off. They couldn't get him started. I was stupid enough to say Mo Salah would not have a goal in this tournament and that Marco Arrhenia would outscore him one nothing. And then, of course, I forgot penalties like an idiot and PKs, which, of course, Salah is going to take for Egypt. So what a fool I am as he buries a penalty. So, yeah, good job, Denholm. But the third game is also very intriguing. The middle one, of course, we said we'll see how Saudi Arabia approaches that game. But that last game in Group B... Iran, Spain. I think it could be very similar to Morocco, Portugal in that it'll be a little opposite of that. Morocco may go try to attack Portugal's defense, which I think is susceptible. Iran's going to defend, defend, defend again. This could really frustrate Spain for a while in this one. I do see the Spain Spanish team getting a late goal at the very least to win this one one nil. You know, I so I worry less about that. In fact, I don't think it's going to be as close because yes, Iran is good at defending. They're organized, etc. Yep. But if there's one team that is excellent at breaking a team that is packed in, it's Spain <laughs> because look, so all of these players play for either Barcelona or Real, or Real Madrid. Yep. And 90% of the teams those that they play against pack in. Because nobody has the talent to run with either no, Barcelona or Madrid, so th- that's why you know uh, Isco, uh, Iniesta, any basically any midfield player uh, for Spain that's that's up there, uh, starting or off the bench, and then even with uh, even with um, uh, with uh, no, I'm forgetting the, the striker of the course that scored two goals. 
uh, Chelsea. Diego Costa. Thank you. Costa, he's kind of a battering ram, uh, yeah. right? That, that, that they can also mash through what would like to be a stuck-in defense. And if Iran just wants to sit back and try to counter Spain, I just don't see that working. I think Spain breaks through early, and I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, went away a little bit, especially because Iran's feeling great about themselves. They've already got the three points, you know? And they, they may also they, they may almost, uh, not that they're going to be overconfident playing against Spain, but you cannot tell me that there's not some part of that team that's been just feeling amazing all week and, and isn't been able to to listen to their coach who is surely telling them, hey, <laughs> Spain's coming, okay, guys? Like, we focus. Yeah. So I, I, I actually, I'm, I'm going to disagree there. I, I'm going to look for Spain to open up a little bit. Well, one team that's not been feeling amazing, which has a game coming up a little bit later this week that will need it desperately, is Brazil. Oh. And, of course, that's Neymar. Now, Mike, you had a little something uh, you wanted to get into here, real well, quick. We got a couple of minutes here. Yeah. I want to let you just have the floor. No, I, I need you to. I need you to try to talk me off of this ledge. So okay. Here's my here's my philosophy on what happened today with Neymar. So he the whole the big report on Fox, and if you were watching any of the games, it was dun, <laughs> you dun, couldn't dun, have missed it. Yeah. Breaking news: <laughs> Neymar leaves practice early. Dun, dun, like it was some massive thing, and he as if we're supposed to think that he might not play in the next game. Here's what actually happened: he got a little bit of a knock. Because he got fouled 15 times in their game. His ankle probably didn't feel great. But he was fine. He's Neymar. Who's more dramatic in this World Cup than Neymar? He's going to start. He'll probably score. He's going to be fine. This is just, to me, a completely manufactured storyline. Uh, that's like, like, hey, can't miss this. What if Neymar does That's my little uh, my little rant about Neymar. He's fine. Uh, Fox was upselling it, outplaying it so that everyone tuned in, which they're going to do anyway because it's Brazil in the World Cup. Like, you, don't have to, you don't have to sell me that Neymar is, 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 uh, is potentially not <laughs> fully healthy to make me interested in Brazil. Because Mike, the television reporter for the Lakers, has never oversold a story before for television. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> like, well, I mean, some, I mean, look, I, that's my job is not no, to oversell it, a story. Uh, you're but, but do we right. do we do that sometimes on Spectrum? I don't know. Yeah. We do. Look, we'll, we'll do. And I'll, look, I'll does. tease. I will tease the next segment for you as to why you that's need right. to stick and listen. So I'm just saying that I don't. I will not tease. I will not lie about it, though. I just won't try to emphasize no, that's it fair. too more. That's, that's fair. And not that they're lying. I'm, I'm just saying, I, I, Neymar's fine. That's my belief. You know why I'm mad at Neymar is because I didn't pick him in our World Cup scorers pool that I'm playing and I'm getting killed. We got one guy in there who's already got to, his players have nine goals already. He's running away and hiding nine? with it. How many, yeah. pe- how many people are in this? Three? You get No, there's like five of us that get ten players each. We go deep. Oh, t- okay, got it. Ten players. Yeah, I'm in, one with, players I'm in one with eight players, and I only have one goal so far, and it's for the guy you said wouldn't score, oh. uh, Mo Salah. Yeah, I, exactly. No, I, I have I Mo got, Salah. I, yeah, actually I have, I have Timo Werner. <laughs> I've got Gabriel Jesus. Um, I've got Firmino. None of them uh, None of them uh, didn't score, but, but at least I got one from You Salah and me so both, far. brother. I'm in third in that one uh, with only two goals so far. He's got, he's got nine goals. He's got Cristiano Ronaldo, Harry Kane, Diego Cost. I mean, the list goes on and on. That's a, that's a good list, yeah. Well, a guy who's never going to back away is Seb Sebastian. Or Sebastian Salazar, I beg your pardon. Seb Salazar who's a, a big friend of Soccer Weekly, Mike. We've got him coming up next. Oh, uh, well, let, let me get out of here then. Let's go. Absolutely. Mike Trudell, Dave Denholm, you. This is Soccer Tonight. S- Sebastian Salazar coming up next here on ESPN LA 710. Soccer Tonight. This is ESPN LA 710. Mike Trudell, Dave Denholm, and you. You can hit him up on Twitter, at Mike Trudell. You can hit me up at Talk Soccer. The number to get involved, 877-710-ESPN. Mike, I want to ask this periodically. How is the scheduling of these games treating you? I know you had your uh, your plan with your young children, of course, and yeah. how you were going to attack these games. We're almost a week in now. How's it going? You know, 
I, I'd be curious how other junkies like you and me handle this, but I really love it. The only problem is that I like I tape at least one or two of the games if I can't fully watch live, and I've managed to turn off alerts on my phone, but so many people are texting me about it, and yeah. I'll think, like, I, what I have to do, I have to change my text uh, so that I don't see the preview on it. Because our boy Pepe, who we had on last night, the great Pepe Montilla, <laughs> texted me at, like, 9 a.m. You're like, like uh, Senegal, surprising. And I'm like, ah! like I, you know, I, saw, I saw it before I was able to watch the game on my DVR, yeah. and so that wasn't great. So the only the risk of not watching live and waking up at 5 a.m. is that you may get somebody to spoil the result. And so then when you're watching the game, you know, it's just not like I, I didn't know who scored when, right? But it does change the sure. the, the watching, and that's the risk uh, that that I pull. But but I can't, you know, other than tomorrow if you're going to do the morning show, I can't wake up and watch the 5 a.m. one live, right? It, it's just not doable. So I've been I've been I've been always able to watch the 11 o'clock uh, one live, though. But, Dave, look, uh, I'm much more interested uh, in, in what our, uh, our great friend Sebastian Salazar has to say live from Russia. Absolutely. Let's join him now. He's a, a great friend of ESPN LA 710 and ESPN FC, of course, Sebastian Salazar. Seb, thanks so much for taking the time. First of all, Seb, we know we'll get to the, the nitty-gritty of it, but how is Russia treating you? How's it going so far over there? It's going great. Uh, we're not sleeping much. We're not eating much, but uh, there's plenty of World Cup to be had. Uh, it gets light here at about 3.45 in the morning. Um, and at first, got to be honest with you, uh, the tournament, the vibe around the tournament was a little bit slow. But I think due in large part, frankly, to the, the great success Russia had in the opener, the 5 nothing, uh, and then last night's 3-1, to one, People are starting to really get into it. Last night we were leaving downtown Moscow shortly after the Russia game, and um, unless every driver in Moscow was being really impatient, uh, the horns that we were hearing on our way out of the city were, were a pretty good indication that this country is really getting into its role as the host. Well, I mean, they've advanced in in all essence, right? I mean, there's this like tiny what less than one percent chance or something, but so they've already essentially advanced and they are in great shape to win the whole group outright. That has to be the biggest local story, of course. There, but what is the other biggest thing everybody's talking about? What what's the the headliner? What are the what's the thing that you hear all the chatter about when you're walking around Russia? So I think the biggest surprise so far is just the slow start for all of the favorites. I, I think if you actually look back over the history of the tournament, look, we, we've seen this before in 2010. We saw Spain have a loss uh, in the group phase and go on to win the tournament. It, it's maybe not the most surprising thing, but it's not one favorite, right? It's, it's Argentina's performance against Iceland. It, it's Germany with a loss against Mexico. It's Spain giving up three goals. I actually thought Spain, um, with the ball at their feet, played very, very well against Portugal. But when you ship three goals, uh, it's an awfully poor performance. I'll throw France in there as well. You know, France, even with their victory, was, was really unconvincing uh, in the first round of games. So I think the, the slow start for the favorites has a lot of people scratching their heads and and after one round of games, if you look at the group leaders, most people are saying, man, my bracket is, is looking awfully busted right now. We are talking with Sebastian Salazar, who's over in Russia covering the World Cup for ESPN and ESPN FC. Seb, you and I have been talking about El Tri for a while. You and I both feel very similar about this team. This is a very good team, and no matter what anyone wants to tell them, and no matter what the even some Mexican fans want to feel about Juan Carlos Osorio and this this team, they went out and proved it, certainly in the Germany game. But this is not the end of this. This is just the beginning for this L3 side, is it not? Yeah, here's the thing. 
the Germany game is historic. It's the it's the greatest ninety minutes I've ever seen Mexico produce in any competition. I mean, they beat a team not only in the way that they played, but doing it against a, an opponent of that quality. But if Mexico goes out in a round of sixteen, uh, it's the same old story again for Mexico. So there's there's still a lot of work to be done. I say this: I have to hold my hand up. I've been critical of Juan Carlos Osorio. The the, the constant rotating of players, the lack of a for sure starting eleven, the lack of an identity in a way that this team played leading into this tournament gave me no faith that certainly in the first game against Germany, this Mexico team would produce that type of performance. But now that you have the victory over Germany, the pressure's on Mexico to finish this out, especially with how Sweden and South Korea played in their game. Neither team was impressive. So Mexico now has to win this group. Because if you look at the group they'll face, they're going to have to play Brazil most likely if they come out of this group second. And that could mean curtains in the round of 16. They've got to finish it off because if they get any one of the other three on that side, with the way Mexico's playing and with the amount of Mexican fans that are here, that'll be a home match for Mexico where they will be very favored. And that'll be a rare spot for Mexico to be in in the round of 16. Hey, Sebi, here's my here's – my, I want to throw a little caution uh, onto the Mexico situation here. And it's really about Germany almost as much as Mexico. And All the credit to Osorio, all the credit to the players. It was great. It was, it was excellent. But remember what happened to Spain in their first game after they won the World Cup? They lost 5-1 to the Netherlands. They just were shell-shocked. Italy, same thing. They, when they debuted in 2010 after they won in 2006, and Dave and I talked about this uh, yesterday, there's just this – there's something about being the defending champion and not being able to get that excited about the first game because you know about the long haul. And so I just worry now that, that – like that. Mexico team that we saw in that game against that German team isn't necessarily the team that we're going to see in these next two against two teams that, you know, if, while they're not great, they are not bad. And even as the, so we've seen, some of the bad teams are playing pretty well. So that's my worry about Mexico. And I'm wondering if how you think the coach addresses that with the players. I think there's certainly something to be, be said for Germany's performance. But I think Mexico gets a lot of credit for that. I mean, look at a guy like Tony Cruz. I mean, Hector Herrera looked like he was the one at Real Madrid, and Cruz is the one that should be trying to get out of Porto. Uh, so I think the Mexican performances really deserve a lot of the credit. Here's one thing, though, where I do think those, those Sweden and the South Korea matches will be a different challenge, and, and, and a challenge that Mexico ha- where struggled in, in the past. Germany let Mexico play. Germany went back and forth with Mexico and gave Mexico spaces. Um, the Koreans, because they lost, will be forced to maybe do a little bit of that. But the Swedes, man, we know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to do what they did against Italy. They're going to sit back. Teams do that against Mexico all the time in CONCACAF. And what does Mexico do a lot of times in CONCACAF? They dominate the ball. They dominate chances. But frankly, Mexico does not dominate games, and they do not dominate scorelines. This Mexican team has a history, certainly recently, of creating lots of opportunities and finishing very few of them. Uh, And they did that against Germany. There were plenty of chances for Mexico to put that game away, and they didn't. Uh, And so I think when you talk about that, the challenge against South Korea, the challenge against Sweden is going to be a very, very different one. And that's where my concern comes in uh, as somebody who's supported Mexico for a long time. Sure, Mexico can play great soccer. 
but can they produce results when other teams don't let them play? In that South Korea-Sweden game, there was like 10 fouls in the first uh, 10 minutes. I mean, you can see that that tactic applied to Mexico could be very, very frustrating. We're talking with Sebastian Salazar of ESPN FC. He's over in Russia covering the World Cup and covering El Tri, certainly. Uh, you mentioned Korea Republic. Uh, I, I definitely felt like this was a team that is not your typical, like, really good Korea Republic team, which can be very dangerous. And I, I do think they're a little bit weaker. How do you think this schedule sets up with Mexico playing them next specifically? And maybe more specifically, Germany having to take on Sweden. Except a lot of this is scheduling that factors into these groups, too. It'll be very interesting. And when we talk scheduling, it's also about the time between games. You know, Mexico only has three days between yep. their second and third game. They've got six between the first and second. So while you might think, okay, Juan Carlos Osorio likes to rotate players, we're going to see a vastly different lineup against South Korea. I think those extra few days allow for maybe a few more repeat starters of a lineup that very clearly worked. And just like I said before, the, the onus, the pressure right now is so on Mexico to win this group. I believe it will see a lot of the same players. I don't think we'll see a very changed lineup for Mexico when they get to Rostov and play South Korea. Because I think right now the opportunity to get six points in the back against, as you said, a Korea team that really, to me, you know, a lot of times we think of this of South Korea as kind of a, a pretty well-ordered team, pretty tactically disciplined I thought they were terrible defensively against Sweden. Yeah. I think Mexico, if they're smart, will smell blood in the water. will try and get as, as much of the same players and that same vibe uh, that they had against Germany, against South Korea, a desperate South Korea that even though they don't want to open themselves up, will have to open themselves up. Yeah. Because if Mexico can get all six, can get six points heading into that last game, they can also avoid the potential of having players and this happened to Mexico in 2014 uh, with a guy like Aito Vasquez, uh, either hurt or suspended for the round of 16. And you saw it in the Germany game. Hector Herrera, um, Hector Herrera got a yellow card late in that game. And to have a guy like that, and Hector Moreno got one at the late in the first half as well. And those are two really key guys right in the spine of that team. And if either of them gets the second yellow, say against Sweden, those could be two massive absences when you get to the knockout phases. Hey, so my brother was in Russia a few years ago, and he told me that it's it's quite common. In fact, it's uncommon if this doesn't happen, where people just drink vodka with their breakfast. It's like part of the deal. It's like when when you might order coffee here. Um, so it's what about six a.m. there, uh, Sebastian? Just just want you know you top off uh, a little bit with that, uh, or you got a, you got a busy work day. But I'm just wondering if you're following the local customs. <laughs> it is six forty two a.m. You know we are following the local. I don't know if you guys follow me on uh, Twitter, but we I took a ballet class last night nice. so uh, so we could show people really what's going on. We have done a vodka tasting. Uh, I, I got to say I'm not a big drinker, but uh, I had some horseradish vodka, which was as terrible Doesn't as you might think yeah. it sounds. <laughs> Doesn't sound and, great. Um, but, you know, we have been enjoying the local customs, getting to know Russia a little bit, getting to know Moscow. It's been a lot of fun. I got to say, uh, Moscow is visually one of the most, beautiful cities I've, I've ever seen in my life. I mean, the architecture is not just beautiful and not just stunning, but it's so unique. You really feel like you're just in another place. And, uh, you know, I came here for the soccer, but I have to say that I, I've quite enjoyed the time we've spent here so far. 
Well, as I look at the picture on your Twitter feed, at Sebi Salazar Foot, uh, the Bolshoi artists don't have much to worry about. Let's just say that. But he is fantastic when it comes to football, and that's what we really like to talk with him about, of course. He's from ESPN FC. He's covering the World Cup in Russia. He's up early for us. Sebastian Salazar, thanks so much, Seb. Enjoy yourself, man. It is a, it is a once-in-a-lifetime type of thing, really. Have a great time, and thank you again for joining us. Great to be with you guys. Anytime, Al. As always, Thank we you. love him. Seb Salazar, Sebastian Salazar, at Sebi Salazar Foot at, uh, on Twitter. And, uh, Mike, just, you can hear it in his voice. I mean, I cannot wait till the World Cup gets here in 2026 because then I know I'll be there for sure at some point. I cannot wait already just by hearing what he's experiencing in Russia here. You don't want to, this one. You don't want to go do soccer tonight live from Qatar with me, Mike Trudeau, uh, Dave Denholm? Uh, no? I mean, no? You know, if you drag me over there on like, uh, you know, in business class, I guess maybe I'll go, but uh, not really. Not if I'm being honest. I want to. I don't do well in the heat. Look, uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll be happy to do the show from right here in Los Angeles. That's right, exactly. That? I don't do the I don't do very well in that that uh, scorching heat. I, mean, look, but, I like to go. I like to go for like a week. You know, I, I don't yeah. know if I want to be there for a month, but I'd like to drop in. You know, maybe check out the a, a semifinal or something. I don't know. Yeah, I can see, that. especially like yeah. I say, with so, what are those Emirates Airlines? All those airlines that have like the thing you can just sleep in in the business class or exactly. whatever it is yeah. on those yeah. planes that are the house of like three city blocks. That might be all right. I might be able to put up with that for about a week. I agree with that. He's Ooh, Mike yeah. Trudell. I'm David at home, and you are listening to Soccer Tonight here on ESPN LA seven ten. Indeed it is Soccer Tonight. Dave home alongside Mike Trudell each and every Monday through Friday here for Soccer Tonight here on ESPN LA 710. We will continue this show a little bit later tomorrow. Just a reminder, it's after Sacramento Republic takes on your Los Angeles football club right here on the home of LAFC, ESPN LA 710. Mike and I will have Soccer Tonight after that game coming up at 10 p.m. Pacific time right here on ESPN LA 710. It'll be a big bunch of games. But, Mike, let's look back on the first game for every team. I mentioned this during Soccer Weekly that ESPN FC kind of had their team of the first round. I'm not going to go that deep into it by naming 11 players, but what are the things, the couple, like two or three that stand out, two or three stories, two or three players that stand out to you from all of every team's game one? I, look, I, you you cannot overstate enough uh, that Ronaldo, you know, the hat trick, yeah. uh, the the pressure situation, hitting the free kick at that time. So, I, I, to me, that's the number one storyline uh, in terms of players. Um, I I still think that Messi, uh, no matter what he does in this tournament, whether he's the amazing player that we've seen, uh, whether they you know he missed the PK, if Argentina somehow doesn't uh, doesn't advance, that's one. Um, I'm not sure we're talking enough about Belgium. You know, that's a that's a team that I think a lot of people. Had right around, I don't know, the six, seven, eight range out of this, but no one really gave an actual chance to win with the big countries, you know, with, with France, with Brazil, with Germany, with Spain. Those seem to be the four. And, and I wonder, we have to see it again, right? But they looked great uh, against not the best side. So th- those are a couple things that stand out and, and they're, they're partially the obvious ones. But how about Senegal, man? They're, this was not the underdog story either, yeah. though. You picked them to advance. They have a lot of excellent players. Uh, we all watched Sadio Mane score a billion goals for Liverpool. Uh, they They've got some of the best defensive midfielders and one of the best center backs in the tournament. So those are the things that the all around highlight so far for me. Yeah, I would agree with the Senegal story. Certainly, uh, towards the end of the very last game, in fact, of technically the first matches for every team. So that obviously helps stick in the mind of everyone. You know, also I thought, I thought Lukaku and Belgium 
interestingly enough, didn't look great at times, and yet they did at other. You know, it's like that's so Belgium. Yeah, what they, they did right, in they, their first game. They didn't always play like they didn't play like how Spain looks. You know how they're so fluid throughout the whole game, but they're so dangerous. Oh, that's the it, thing. That and and even so, to a lesser extent, we we may have disagreed about this a little bit yesterday. England to me looked very dangerous. Now they they biffed a bunch of chances, but yeah. this is one of the reasons why I've always been such a, a messy fan and so pro messy. The biggest thing that I want in soccer is creating chances. Now, you have to, of course, finish those chances, but just the, the sheer ability to create chance after chance, Belgium can do that, England can do that, Even you know, France, to an extent, has the talent to do it, they haven't done it, and of course, Brazil, not only can they create all these chances, but then they're salt, they're athletic, you know, they're fast, they're physical, uh, Germany creates chances, chance after chance after chance, Mexico in that game created, so that's the kind of attacking play that I like to see that's fun to watch, and in that sense, I do think that Belgium and England look better than we might think. That's a great point about England, you're right, they really did create a lot and it was it was not only it wasn't because their opponent was bad you know it wasn't like tunisia was just rolling over and england just had chance after chance because it was just a dominant performance or tunisia is very good and they they certainly were in that game with england tooth and nail but it's one of the reasons i did pick england to be a bit of a surprise to go to the semis i do think this team can start clicking and of course it doesn't hurt when harry kane can finish a couple of chances for you because you know he can finish. Yeah, I will say this: one of the stories for me, Mike, is the own goals. Right, they're all all these own goals are being scored, but I think the own goal, quote unquote, gets a bad rap. And what I mean by that is, this is my rant for the day. Okay, everybody starts to look. Oh, look at all the own goals. That just sucks. And, well, there's a reason. A lot of times, own goals are scored. Most of the time, they're not complete and utter jokes by the defense. It's that the defense has been put under tremendous pressure by good offense. You know what I mean? So, yeah, an own goal is scored. It's because it's a last-ditch defensive effort right. in what is generally a pretty darn good attack. So sometimes that's going to happen. So everybody starts, oh, look at all these own goals. That's just ridiculous. How about just praising the offense for putting themselves in that position a lot of times where it's just a desperate attempt that, yeah, look, there's deflections. I get it. There's occasionally a header. There's not. There's a reason a dude might head the ball in his own net. It's because he's under tremendous pressure. It's not because he wants to score an own goal. That's ridiculous. And I think sometimes people just like, oh, yeah, that's just totally the defense just whiffing or they're terrible. No. It's some. It's a, oftentimes, frankly, great offensive pressure. Well, right. And so the, the – the- I totally, I, I actually totally agree with you. The, there's the counterexample, and this doesn't happen all the time, but the counterexample was the first game between Morocco and Iran, yeah. right? In which basically Morocco, I thought outplayed Iran more or less. You know, Iran was packed yeah. in pretty well, and then they had just a brutal own goal against the run of play. It was more or less the only shot Iran had not put much pressure at all on, and then their defender just headed it straight into his own net. Fair so enough. That's a bad own goal, but I think you're right. More, more or less, they've just been some shots like in Senegal. It, it just goes off. It goes off somebody who's who has a, a somebody draped that he's draped to? Yeah. Uh, that happened again in the Russia game, right? Yeah, um, in the Russia game today. So I, I'm totally with you on that. Yep. That I will only answer that rant uh, with a quick one, and we should probably spend more time on this tomorrow. But the video review, oh. and you. So if I get your, if I heard your position clearly, it's basically you hate all video review in sports. Generally. It's the death yes. of sports. Eventually, okay. Mike. It is. Yes. I don't. So my in spirit, right? My heart agrees with you. Okay, my heart really does. My head, and this is where it gets tricky in the NBA as well, 
my head wants the right call to be made because I don't want if my team wins, I don't want to have to listen to the other. Uh, to, for example, if you're a Lakers fan in the early 2000s, you don't want to have to listen for years and years and years about all the calls you know that, that the Lakers got over Sacramento. Sure, sure. It's just so, so that kind of thing. I guess you can kind of clean it up. But then as I'm making that argument, I'm not even sure if it's true because people are going to complain if their team loses anyway, right? About a, one call Absolutely. or the other. And I almost wish. So can we just leave soccer, the beautiful game, football? Can you? Can we just? Have not have that sport be lagged Thank into you. this too. Can we just have one game where it's we it's ninety minutes plus extra time? Period. No thirty more seconds to video review. Right? Don't just don't the coaches don't come in like in basketball and football. You can't call timeout. Okay? You can't. You can't. You just can't do it. The players now are are going over to the ref and signaling for video Terrible. review every other second. So I'm that to me as a purist makes me sound like somebody like Steve Mason talking about baseball. You know where you don't want anything new into the game. But it does it does viscerally hurt me some when I when I see it happen all the time. I totally agree, Mike. We will definitely get into more of this during the World Cup as we continue on soccer tonight. But I love the start we have. My one question to you, not in general, not really just ripping on you, is: Look, do you want ninety eight percent correct, or do you want ninety seven percent correct and passion? And unfortunately, VIR oftentimes is the death of passion. We don't have a death of yeah. passion here. If, if I had to side, if I had to side with you, Dave, I would support you on this. I would. I, I would not fight to the death for video review. I, I'm with you, buddy. Mike Trudell and Dave Denholm hanging out with you each and every night. Coming back tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Right here. It's soccer tonight on ESPN LA 710. Yep.